it's 6 p.m. and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Thursday, September 21st, and this is the KVMR Evening News. I'm Julia Jem. A new investigation found that thousands of people with serious mental illnesses are living in California nursing homes. Coming up, we hear from the nurses, advocates, and managers who work hands-on with those individuals in today's edition of the California Report. Then, after a look at local news and weather, KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza talks with Sheriff Shannon Moon about her new place in the Commission on Peace Officer Standards and Training. We close with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. Farmworker advocates pushing for safer working conditions during wildfires are blasting a decision by the Sonoma County Board of Supervisors that could allow crops to be harvested in evacuation zones. KQED's labor correspondent Farida Javala Romero reports. Last year, the supervisors allowed ag workers in evacuation zones to take care of livestock or irrigate crops, but not to harvest. The idea was to limit the number of people exposed to danger. But this week, after a four-hour meeting, supervisors voted to allow harvest work at the sheriff's discretion. Supervisor David Rabbit said few ag producers were applying for the permits because they excluded harvesting. I just want to be in a better place and have it be carried out safer and not be ad hoc. In a statement, the group North Bay Jobs with Justice said supervisors sided with the interests of wealthy wine companies over worker safety. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. Nursing homes typically help people recover after surgeries or provide round-the-clock care for people with physical disabilities. But a new LAist investigation finds that thousands of people with serious mental illnesses are living in California's nursing homes. Experts call it warehousing, and they say the practice may violate federal law. LAist reporter Ellie has more. Hyde Park Healthcare Center is a nondescript nursing home in L.A. about 10 miles southwest of downtown. But inside... It was a psych unit. We had a security guard at the front door 24-7. There's no need in a nursing home for a security guard 24-7. That's Travel Jackson. She worked as a nurse at Hyde Park. She says most residents there had a serious mental illness, and she didn't receive training by the facility to care for them. Paranoid schizophrenic, psychosis, bipolar disorders... Lots of psychotic patients just yelling all day. Some would be yelling, some would be on lithium. An LAist investigation found that 74% of residents at the nursing home had a serious mental illness last year. Using federal data, we found nearly 100 facilities in the state where more than half of residents had those diagnoses. Kevin Martone is New Jersey's former mental health commissioner and now advises states on best practices. Nursing homes generally are not the right setting for people with serious mental illness. Illness, they're segregated settings, and you know people can generally be served in community-based services with the right types of supports. Experts who reviewed our findings told us that state and local governments could be in violation of a 1999 Supreme Court ruling called Olmstead. It says people with disabilities can't be unnecessarily institutionalized and segregated from the rest of society. Here in California, our investigation finds the percentage of people with serious mental illness in nursing homes has been rising. They've become sort of the de facto mental health centers. 
but they don't have the specialized training. Rachel Tate is with the Ombudsman's Office that oversees nursing homes in L.A. County. She says she often sees people with psychiatric disabilities stay in nursing homes because there's a lack of housing and other mental health services in the community. I mean, we as a society have failed them because there isn't necessarily a better option at this moment. Where where else do you go at that point? Our investigation also found that people with serious mental illness often lived in nursing homes for a year or longer. Tony Chickatel is a staff attorney with the California Advocates for Nursing Home Reform. For most residents with serious mental illness in nursing homes, the nursing homes just serve as a warehouse, keeping them alive, keeping them fed and sheltered and out of the streets and out of people's way. At Hyde Park, Travell Jackson says having so many residents with serious mental illness made it hard to do her job. And she felt the facility wasn't giving the residents what they needed. There are no programs running to keep the mental health patients occupied. They're lumped in with the elderly with inappropriate activities, coloring books, and just watching television. When reached for comment, a company that helps run Hyde Park says their focus is to provide, quote, the best patient-driven health care and providing a safe environment for their patients and staff. Jackson often wondered about how these residents ended up in a nursing home. I asked them, how did you end up here? All the time. How did you end up here? Where's your family? Some were just too far in their illness to give me a straight answer in their mental illness. It's just sad. She says she just morally didn't feel right working at the facility and also felt unsafe. So she left in September of last year. For the California Report, I'm Ellie Yu in Los Angeles. Indigenous tribes are pushing back against a new plan to create a federal marine sanctuary off the central coast. KCBX's Amanda Wernick explains. Several years ago, the Northern Chumash Tribal Council proposed a sanctuary that would include Morro Bay. But the new federal proposal leaves it out. The Chumash Heritage National Marine Sanctuary keeps those waters open for potential offshore wind energy projects. Robert Piatti is from the Salinan tribe. He says the area is culturally sacred. Because we need to protect the land from the federal government intrusion of the wind farms. Um, Even though the wind farms might be a great benefit, if they prove to be successful, they will want to populate this entire coast with them. He also wants the government to name the sanctuary after all the tribes with historic ties to the area. Steve Levine from the Marine Mammal Center supports adding Morro Bay to the sanctuary for another reason. It's a home where all the sea otters live. We see um, harbor seals in here, sea lions. Sea otters? Yeah. It's, it's, it's huge. It's a huge natural environment for them to live. The government is expected to make a decision by next year. For the California Report, I'm Amanda Warnick in Morro Bay. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and adult and children's health systems working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. StanfordMedicine.org. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, advancing the frontiers of ocean science, exploration, and discovery on the web at schmidtocean.org. 
And that's the California Report for Thursday, September 21st. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Remember, you can always hear news from across the state on the California Report podcast. Subscribe and download wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. In regional news, according to Ubinet, divers monitoring Lake Tahoe recently discovered invasive New Zealand mud snails in areas off the South Shore. The Tahoe Regional Planning Agency, or TRPA, and Tahoe Resource Conservation District say that this is the first time the species has been detected in the Tahoe Basin. Not to be confused with highly destructive quagga and zebra mussels, which have not been detected in Lake Tahoe, New Zealand mud snails are different. They're often smaller than a grain of rice, and like many aquatic invasive species, they can outcompete native species and harm ecosystem functions without natural predators. First discovered in 1987 in Idaho, they're currently found in 22 states, including California and Nevada, and because of their small size, they're difficult to detect. But despite being little, they're able to colonize new waters very quickly. Contract divers with Marine Taxonomic Services surveying invasive weeds on the South Shore discovered the tiny snails on the bottom of the lake nearly half a mile offshore from the mouth of the Upper Truckee River. Consultation with experts and a DNA lab analysis confirmed the species is indeed the New Zealand mud snail. No other aquatic invasive species, such as the destructive quagga and zebra mussel, have been detected according to those agencies. Following rapid response protocols under the federally approved Lake Tahoe Aquatic Invasive Species Management Plan, the TRPA promptly launched an incident team comprised of staff from TRPA and Tahoe RCD and partner experts. As of right now, that very team is rapidly deploying scientists. They're beginning with lake-wide dive surveys to determine the extent of the infestation and sharing all available information with state and federal wildlife managers through the Lake Tahoe Aquatic Invasive Species Coordinating Committee. TRPA Executive Director Julie Reagan said, quote, Lake Tahoe is one of the most protected water bodies in the United States, and our Aquatic Invasive Species Monitoring Program is credited as the reason for this concerning discovery. It's critical that everyone remain vigilant and adhere to the mantra of clean, drain, and dry. Every boater, paddler, and angler shares the responsibility to protect Lake Tahoe's native species and the waters that we enjoy. According to the National Stop Aquatic Hitchhikers campaign, invasive species can be carried on boats, fishing gear, paddle crafts, life vests, and beach toys. The most effective way to prevent their spread is to clean, drain, and dry boats and gear before entering a new water body. TRPA advocated for federal funds to be set aside for early detection and rapid response actions throughout the nation, and Tahoe agencies are using critical federal funds to address the New Zealand mud snail introduction. Turning now to a look at the regional weather forecast from the National Weather Service. In Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, clear with a low around 49. Friday, sunny with a high near 73. Friday night, clear with a low around 50. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 31. Friday, sunny with a high near 64. Friday night, clear with a low around 34. And for Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight, clear with a low around 54. Friday, sunny with a high near 82. Friday night, clear with a low around 55. It's the first day of fall, and currently there are no red flag warnings or fire weather watches. However, today from 2.30 a.m. to 5 o'clock p.m., there was a red flag warning in the northern and central Sacramento Valley, as well as surrounding terrain due to gusty northerly winds and low humidity. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR.
On September 12th, Governor Gavin Newsom formally appointed Nevada County Sheriff Shannon Moon to the Commission on Peace Officer Standards and Training, commonly referred to as POST. As a commissioner, Sheriff Moon will have a direct hand in setting law enforcement policy and determining how every prospective officer in California is selected. Sheriff Moon attended her first meeting today in Los Angeles. KBMR News Director Claudio Mendoza spoke to her recently to learn more. POST is a regulatory agency established by the California legislature in 1959 to set minimum selection and training standards for California law enforcement. The organization is made up of over 130 staff members who are advised by a commission of 18 members, 15 of which are appointed by the governor with advice and consent of the Senate. The commission members are appointed to a three-year term without pay and have backgrounds ranging from city and county administrators, law enforcement professionals, and educators. Sheriff Moon was recommended to Governor Newsom by the California State Sheriff's Association and formally appointed by the governor on September 12th. I recently had the pleasure to talk to her. Sheriff Moon, tell me what kind of change you hope to affect or what kind of influence do you hope to have? You know, one, you know, having a seat at the table uh, and being uh, present when policy is being uh, driven down, I think is important. Um, you know, that, the, you know, I don't look at changes as, as, you know, these are my top five changes or anything. I, I just, you know, making sure that we stay committed, that we stay uh, open to, to, to the changes that we're seeing across uh, California and, uh, and across the nation on really ensuring that that based on my experience and knowledge of being a frontline officer and how complex that job is and listening to my staff and listening to my community and saying these are the things that we need to make sure that we set our our staff up to do this complex job and and to do it successfully and not um you know, think that it, that just anybody could do this job, or that a minimum training is 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 at such a low level, and then expect people to do their best, uh, and, and under extreme circumstances. So, really, uh, just wanting to uh, ensure that those commitments uh, remain for California, I think, is 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 one of my priorities. Uh, listening to to the other commissioners, uh, because again, it's a it's a broad, diverse group of of people. And um, just having a voice for what I know, uh, the the experiences that I've had as as a sworn peace officer here in, in Northern California, and you know, looking at what the you know a lot of times the legislators will will bring forth a bill and not have that that expert uh, frontline vision of what that impact is going to be. So being able to have a voice for that, I think, is really important uh, because I think most people do want the best. Uh, based off of what their intentions are. I, I, I honestly, I am, I believe in people's best intentions. And, and it's not necessarily a negative to, to have change. Change, uh, is, is constant and making sure that we stay true to what the job really is and how difficult this job can be, uh, and, and supportive of, of, of how difficult that can be and, and being a voice for that. Nevada County has a mobile crisis team that pairs sheriff's deputies with crisis clinicians to respond to calls that may be more related to mental health needs than criminal justice. Does POST, does the commission, have any plans to address something like that on a statewide level? Is that even something that's in the scope of what POST does? 
Well, there's there's already legislative work on uh, crisis intervention training minimum standards for staff, for all peace officers. There, and again, that's a minimum level of how much training to provide for someone uh, in a working within that crisis intervention. Um, you know, the, the reality is when a law enforcement officer is out in a community, uh, we're working with people. And people typically don't call law enforcement when they're having the best day of their life. Typically, in a lot of those situations, a crime is not being committed. It's just people in crisis. Uh, so ensuring that uh, we have a path of services for someone without having to enter them into the criminal justice system, unless, of course, a crime has been committed. Uh, and, and then, you know, that, that is the path uh, for an incident. Uh, at the state level, I think we're constantly looking at uh, how to uh, mandate some of those things. And again, it's very difficult in a, in a, in a fluid environment while you're on a call for service and you're, you're truly trying to pick the best path for uh, an incident. Uh, sometimes things that get mandated, uh, it, 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 you have to be in the position. Every incident is different. Uh, it could be the same exact family, the same exact reason for a, an argument, but the, the decision on how you uh, come to a resolution might be two totally different paths uh, just based on um, what available services that we have out there. And, and it's, you know, it's typical that those happen after 5 p.m. when a lot of the other social service agencies aren't working. Uh, so we, we have been in that arena for decades. Uh, I think it's uh, important that agencies try to again, provide the best training for their staff and provide the best resources for a community so that uh, if, if it doesn't reach the pathway of a criminal justice uh, system, that, that we use those alternatives for resolution. Uh, at, at the post level, at the, at the state level, some of those things are being handled in the Department of Health and Human Services regulatory systems. So right now, there is a, 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 a trailer bill that went out, and behavioral health systems now are starting to be mandated to have a crisis, uh, mobile crisis team, so that it's without law enforcement. So just those clinicians being able to go out into the community and, and respond to those calls outside of law enforcement. I think that's fantastic. But I also recognize there are certain times where you're going to want a law enforcement officer there for your safety. Uh, and, and, you know, when we started our mobile crisis uh, teams here in, in our agency, it was uh, – you know, anytime we're out on those calls, and I've been on those calls, where if if they could have a if you could have a clinician with you, and seeing what you see, because uh, there's only so much you can write on a report. There's only only so much that you can say. This is what happened when I was on my calls. But by the time you've transported someone, detained them to, in, uh, many times, brought them to a, a sterile environment, the crisis is already over. Uh, it's it's showing up for people where they are in their crisis and and having someone that has that higher level of of crisis intervention training as a clinician uh, to being able to help uh, with 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 services. So uh, not everything is regulated by post as to as to what law enforcement should do. A lot of this is really uh, that 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 whole system of services that that. Um, the county provides through social service when it comes to people in crisis. The Post Commission meets four times a year. Sheriff Moon will serve a three-year term. For KVMR, 
I'm Claudio Mendonça. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, observations from a working poet. I asked a librarian friend of mine the other day if she sings the alphabet song when she's cataloging books. I always sing it as I peruse library shelves for new mysteries or look things up in the dictionary. Whenever I mention this song to people, I am met not with raised eyebrows and haughty looks, but with other songs and mnemonics. This same librarian recited phrases whose first letters spelled out arithmetic and geography. Someone I went to school with reminded me that my very elegant mother just sat upon nine pizzas was the way we'd been taught the order of the planets as they circle the sun. I can still sing you, but I won't. A little math song I learned in fifth grade to remind us what the square of the hypotenuse of a right triangle is equal to. I can't tell you how happy this makes me, to know that our childhoods are still inside us like this. I don't recall much else from grade school, which makes me wonder about the power of both music and memorizing. For me, sound and repetition are the big transporters. Proust had his Madeleine, but I have Neil Young wailing Southern Man, and immediately I'm back at the kitchen table trying to write a report on Nicaragua as the rest of the family mills around and California winter rain sluices down the glass doors. Our music teacher single-handedly dragged the whole eighth-grade class through a year of rehearsals to perform Gilbert and Sullivan's HMS Pinafore, which, 37 years later, I could probably sing you at least two-thirds of if you paid me a lot and I had a couple of hours to spare. I tell my writing students not to memorize anything they don't really love, because what they learn by heart will get into their bloodstreams and start coming out of their own pens and pencils. Even if you're not a writer, I think what you commit to memory matters. My niece, Joya, recently leaned forward in the car and recited the Jabberwock into my ear. She knew it perfectly. When I bragged about her to my ex-boyfriend, he reeled off the first lines himself without missing a beat. It made me so jealous. But she is a Waldorf student, not the norm. I worry what will become of us when knowing dialogue from Star Wars movies by heart replaces Lincoln's Gettysburg Address in our national consciousness. Maybe it already has. You are probably still wondering about the librarian. Of course I sing the alphabet song, she said, especially between G and M. I was delighted to hear this. There's a lot of conflict in our country right now. I know I don't need to go into the details, because you know exactly what I mean. It gives me a little hope to think that library patrons and staff all across America are wandering through the aisles, united in muttering under their breath. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast for this Thursday, September 21st. 
Head over to our website, kvmr.org, or subscribe to the KVMR News Podcast to hear more. KVMR gets support from listeners like you and the Pizza Joint, offering a variety of New York-style pizza specialties prepared with fresh ingredients by the slice or pie, plus salads, pasta, and local beer. Closed Mondays. Commercial Street in Nevada City. ThePizzaJointNC.com. And Green Acres Nursery and Supply. Hosting their annual fall festival, a family-friendly event being held Saturday, September 30th, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. at all seven locations. More at idiggreenacres.com. Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening Newscast is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Julia Jem, and I hope you have a great night. Thank you.